Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Happy Sunday, everyone. For those of you who have been here at least a Sunday so far this month, you know that we're working through Eric Butterworth's book, Breaking the Ten Commandments. Yes, only here could you come every Sunday and break one of the Ten Commandments. And uh, this Sunday will be no different, but I do want to do just the briefest uh, catch-up for those of you who may not have been here. So you'll remember the Easter Sunday, we really covered three of the commandments, and it had to do with our relationship to God. So they are, you shall have no other gods before me, you shall not worship images or icons, and you shall not misuse my name. And really the idea here isn't that you're going to get good and smote if you, if you break one of those <laughs> commandments. Um, really the idea is when we diminish God in our own minds, we diminish our own ability to have that powerful connection with God. So if we if we place medicine ahead of our belief in God, if we place our, I don't know, our dependence on social security or our job above our, our concept of an infinite God, it simply limits us. It simply says something here in the human world is more powerful, uh, more beholden to me than something that's infinite, something that really can be there no matter what's going on. So that was the first three commandments. Uh, last week, you'll know, we did thou shall honor the Sabbath. And again, the idea also being this isn't so much about us somehow worshiping that, that faraway God, that, that uh, you know, removed God, but really it's about worshiping the internal God, the, the divinity within each one of us. Each one of us needs a time throughout the week in our lives when we can rest and recuperate and spend a little more time working on that connection to our higher power. So that was the idea of Sabbath that we talked about last week. Okay, this week we're going to do the, uh, the fifth commandment, and I'll read it. It's from Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, on the surface, this kind of sounds like Father's Day cards, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, a little bit. Well, of course, we're going to, you know, honor our parents. And I, and I think before we talk about really the metaphysical content of the fifth commandment, we actually need to put it in a little bit of a historical context as well. So, so before we talk about the metaphysical, let's talk a little bit about the literal. 2,000 years ago, things were a little different. There was no social security. There were no social welfare programs at all. There was no Medicare. There was the life expectancy was way down in the 30s and 40s. There were no assisted living kind of arrangements. Really, uh, really this commandment on its literal level is that, that we have to provide, that we, the family unit, has to provide some kind of security for our elders because literally at that time no one else would. And in fact, if you read the Talmud and, and other ancient writings, there were real specific codes about who was fa blood family and not blood family and what the the obligations were for taking care of elders and, and cousins and spinsters and, you know, all kinds of, I mean, today we would look at that and go, well, this is just crazy, you know, and so-and-so can take care of herself. Yeah, social security and Medicare and, you know, we'll visit her, we'll 
will send her, right, the, the birthday card. And so today we might think that this is no more, this commandment was intended to be no more than to like make telephone calls on birthdays and, and that kind of thing. Because simply times have changed so much. Back then, it was really important. Our elders depended on us literally for their very lives. And in fact, that is, I think, reflected in the second section of this. It doesn't just say, honor your father and your mother. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that God has given you. And the reason that little ending is on there was there were some very important social conventions at the time, right? So let's say you're on uh, economically hard times and it's a little difficult to care for a grandmother. There might have been that temptation a couple thousand years. Well, since we're a little bit nomadic anyway and we're moving on to the next village to pick crops, maybe we'll conveniently leave grandma behind. <laughs> you would be shunned. The social obligations by the entire tribe, by the entire community were such that, that these kind of issues were really enforced. And so should you choose, should you desire to live long in the land that the Lord has given you, you shall honor your father and mother. See if you reverse it, you get an idea of the social obligations there. Okay, so now let's move forward 2,000 years, right? Now, now our parents, we, even if we should die before our parents, we have every reason to believe that still the, the tax money and, and other things that exist out there for social programs will ensure that our parents and our elders and other family members can at least have social security or disability and things like that. We're, we're covered, at least in America, in this 21st century, at some level, perhaps at a poverty level, but nonetheless, at some level, people will be taken care of. So let's move forward then with today's joke. <laughs> So a Sunday school teacher was covering the Ten Commandments with her five and six-year-olds, and they'd covered the first few, and she spent a little bit of time talking about the Fifth Commandment, to honor your father and your mother. Then she moved forward with all the not, thou shalt not this and thou shalt not that. And, and finally at the end she thought, you know, I think they're really getting this. Maybe I'll do a little pop quiz. So she asked, now, now boys and girls, is there a commandment that teaches us how we should treat our family members? Without missing a beat, one little boy raised his hand, thou shalt not kill. <laughs> kind of moves us into the 21st century, doesn't it, right? So what does it mean then to honor our mother and our father. And in fact, let's start getting into the metaphysical meaning here a little bit. Because again, if you take it literally, some of you might come up to me and say, I don't know about your childhood, but my parents were a little scary. And in fact, if you look at the statistics nationwide, it's an alarming number of people that have actually suffered abuse of some kind, either physical, mental, or sexual at at the hands of their parents. And still, other people may uh, not have had direct experiences of their parents that way, but their parents stood by and did nothing when it happened at the hands of someone else, maybe close to the family. The, the numbers are upwards, believe it or not, of 20, 25% of Americans in this day and age still had that kind of childhood. So one might say, are these the people we wanna honor? 
And if so, what is this honoring about? What is this idea of honoring those people that we may have even come into harm from? Well, the metaphysical meaning here, first of all, is it's a little dicey if we start picking out the people that are good people and bad people. It's a little dicey if we start saying, well, most of the folks here on the planet are motivated in their, their goodness through the power of God, and there, then there are these other people that must be motivated by what? Another power? Uh, a force of darkness, right? When we get down to it, if we really believe that God is all there is, then even some of the unpleasantness in life are under that auspices of God. Now I like to think that a lot of the, the badness or that which we see as negative in the world is people just making bad choices. And so for some of us who had parents that were less than ideal, is that a good euphemistic way of putting it? Uh, for those of us who had parents that are something less than ideal, maybe it was just bad choices. Maybe it was that they didn't know how to parent particularly well or had their own motivations that weren't expressed very well. Nonetheless, the outcome can be, as Eric Butterworth puts it, disastrous. In fact, let me read just a, a little section here about how he uh, relates to this idea of our mothers and fathers being perhaps less than ideal. He says, what you think and say and do today can have a profound influence on what you will one day become. You may say, you have touched on my problem, for how can I honor my mother and my father when my life has been ruined by rejection and mistreatment that I had as a child? It is true that sometimes these early relationships, whether it be the absence of affection, criticisms, abuse, or hostility can have a strong formative influence on your unfoldment. However, you can love them. You can forgive them. They do not deserve my love, you may say, but that perhaps is not the point. Don't you deserve it? And so when we do harbor resentments about our parents or how we were raised, when we believe that our lives were shaped in some negative way, if we hold on to that idea of divine retribution or, or that by shunning our parents somehow justice is served, really who is suffering for this? Remember, these are the parents that may have neglected or abandoned us. Are they suffering because there's a hard place in our heart for them? Probably not. It is that hard place in our heart through which we suffer. So I think part of the commandment here isn't uh, to honor in like form of how you were treated. You know what I mean? Like, well, like my mom was a little bit cruel, so she'll get a birthday card, but not a Mother's Day card. You know, it isn't, it isn't the thought of measuring like by like or, or somehow to gauge the idea of how close our family and friends are, but rather to recognize we're all in this together, that there is only a unity in the human family. And regardless of motives that didn't work out well, regardless of how we have been treated in our youth, there is an honoring to life itself that when we make that commitment, we become larger in life itself. The other metaphysical piece of this is, uh, is an interesting one and one that we're really familiar with in the science of mind. In the science of mind, we believe, right, 
in cause and effect, that for everything that we see and do out in the physical world, there was some kind of an invisible cause behind it. And, and in fact, that's the source of Ernest Holmes saying, uh, change your thinking and change your mind. The change your thinking is the cause part of it, and that then will create a new life for you is the effect part of it. And so I would want you to think about this idea of honoring your mother and your father, because as we treat our elders, one day we too will be elder. As we treat our family, we might wish ourselves to be treated in a, in a loving and dignified way. Even if we have suffered or, or somehow been neglected or ignored by our family, it doesn't mean that we don't want that kind of family love and that family commitment. And so when we withhold it from someone else, either purposefully or just from neglect, what we're telling the universe, and this I find kind of scary is, we're telling the universe, this is the way it works. So therefore, I should expect that kind of treatment myself. I should come in years to come to expect the kind of neglect or dishonoring that perhaps I have given to other people. So it's that old idea of sow as ye shall reap, I guess, is, is how it's also put in the Bible. But, but you know, I don't think of it as some kind of a divine punishment. I just see it as cause and effect. When I am good to other people, other people are good to me. When I'm filled with love and light and, and honor my family and friends, oh my gosh, is it any big surprise that that's the way life is to me, that there is that fullness of life and people come forward in friendship and love and joy. It's because we can make that choice and sometimes it's a hard choice, right? Doesn't everyone here have someone in their life that's a little hard to love? That's another euphemism, by the way. <laughs> I would challenge everybody in this room to really think, aren't there a person or two that when you're around them, it's a little uncomfortable? Those people that maybe we only see at holidays, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> Those people that go long absences on the telephone, right? It's not a coincidence. There are people in our lives that can be difficult. First of all, I want to say there's nothing that means you have to be best friends with these people. There's nothing and no reason that we should think that we have to say what they did to us or that uncomfortableness is okay. What I am saying, though, is that if we turn off our love, if we turn off our ability to honor people, even the people that are tough to love, we're saying that I'm closed off to some love. Even though we're doing it to close it off from someone else, we're doing the little arms folded thing metaphysically. We're saying that there is less than 100% love available in this universe. And so the universe is invited to treat us that way. The other thing I want to talk about today is how the idea of the family has changed. You know, in ancient times, the reason they had arranged marriages was those uh, really complicated networks of obligations, right? So two young people just want to get together. They're in love and they want to get married and, you know, raise a family. Well, very often it would be 
nearly impossible or impractical. If you match up one set of parents that would be your obligation to take care of with another set of parents that it would be ob- your obligation. Oh, and then there's, there's Aunt Beth that comes along with that particular one. Oh, and then there's the, the three unwed sisters that come along with it. And, you know, it's all spelled out really carefully in the Talmud of who's blood relatives and who has to take care of them and how that works. And oh my gosh, if you weren't really careful with arranging of a marriage, you could be dooming a relationship, you know? Here you have a young couple with 18 people that they have to take care of. Not a good idea. So how has the family changed since then? First of all, isn't it true that often some of our closest friends are really more like family? Isn't it true that now our families are, are blended in, in you new and u- unique ways that may or may not have anything to do with blood ties or, or literal family trees, right? I remember growing up with this fellow that I called Uncle Bill my entire life. It wasn't until I was 17 that my mom explained, no, he just came to Thanksgiving one year and he's been Uncle Bill ever since, <laughs> Right? People become important to us, and it doesn't have necessarily to do with blood relations. And so I also think this commandment, if we were to interpret it in 21st century terms, is that really the people who are important to us, whatever that literal or figurative connection, whether they're, they're good friends, whether they're family, whether they're members of our, of our intimate circle, whatever the, the you know, traditional relationship is, It means that we care for one another. It's not so much an obligation as it is actually a pleasure that we look forward to taking care of one another in a kind of an interrelated way. Not dependent and not independent, but interdependent. That idea of I will do things for you just just out of love, not because I'm expecting anything back, not because I, I think there's something to be gained here, and not even out of a sense of obligation, but but I love you. This is important to me. We have that kind of real of course you need a ride to the dot of course. I'll be there. And I don't expect it from you, and yet no big surprise, right? I get it from you. It is part of who we are and being together in that kind of a relationship. So the Ten Commandments, I think, are loosely organized into groupings and the most important first. So I do think that it's no surprise that the first three commandments have to do about God and about putting God first in our lives, knowing that that supremely powerful entity that we call God, when it comes first, the way is made smooth. Our life moves well. Then we talk about the God within with the commandment number four and honoring the Sabbath and, 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 and treating that, that divinity within us really well one day a week and, uh, and knowing that there is a time for rest and recuperation. And then if you look at the last of the commandments, they have to do with the world. It's like how we should or in the commandments, uh, how we shan't (laughs) uh, treat people, right? We're not gonna kill them, we're not gonna do rotten things to them. And right here in the middle, I think, is something really interesting. Because the hierarchy is God first, then our family, and then the world. 
And so when we, when we begin asking ourselves questions, when we begin thinking about our own lives and carving up the time and the responsibilities and, and who we are and how we spend our life, I would like to suggest that we could perhaps mirror that in how we work out life. Perhaps God should come first. Week one, when we talked about the benefits of really, really having that infinite supplier of all things, that, that creator of all good on our side, on our mind, coming first, that truly our life is blessed by it. And now, if we think of the, the next set of firsts, I guess, where we're leaving behind some of the, the spiritual realm and getting ready to enter the, the physical realm in that bridge, I think is our friends and our family. It's the people that we hold closest to us and that we have those interdependencies. And when we hold that second or, or the other first, <laughs> if you want to look at it that way, that too supports us really handsomely. It is there as our safety net in the world. It is there when we approach it with the open heart and the, the true freedom of our emotions. That family that we perhaps have created rather than been born into, that, that family and circle of friends and loved ones is there for us even as we are there for them. So if I were to assign some homework this week, and I'm not so much, this is more just a contemplation, I would say, rather than a homework assignment. But first of all, you might want to ask yourself, how would your, your friends and your family, how would you wish them to honor you? If the commandment is that you're going to honor your father and your mother, or that idea of fatherness and motherness, that, that idea of your extended family and your close friends, if you're to honor them, how would you like to be honored in that same way? When you're perhaps making arrangements for your mom who's in the hospital to be released, how would you like to be treated in that way? If you're looking at assisted living places for elders in your community and your family, is that the kind of place or the, the kind of life that you would like to have? Simple questions, perhaps difficult answers. But nonetheless, I think when we approach them from that idea of, as I put forth, so I will expect myself later on. You know, what kind of treatment will the universe give me? I think it's useful. And then the last one, again, has to do with that idea of forgiveness. Can we forgive our elders in order to be released from our own bondage of hostility? Because truly, we're the one that suffers. If we find it difficult to honor our father and our mother or other people in our family for things that they have done to us or allowed to have happened to us, really we're saying, I'm from the closed heart position. And you'll be limiting some of the own, your own ability to love and be loved. I'm going to close today with a, a final quote from, uh, from Eric Betterworth. It is disturbing to many persons to note how the traditional values of honor and respect for parents and elders are being rejected by younger generations. The fifth commandment is being questioned and clearly broken. However, the need is not really for morality in these times, but metamorality, not just the facade of respect for elders by the young, you know, the, the birthday card and the Mother's Day card, but for a more universal insight into the divine parenting process within all people. 
When there is a greater respect for spiritual law and love, a greater awareness that all persons are contained within the one, parents will respect themselves and their children, and children will respect themselves and their parents. What you think and what you do today simply has a profound influence on what one day you will become. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one law. It is that unity of all people, parents, children, siblings, truly unified under that idea of, uh, of son and daughtership of the divine. Each of us created equal. Each of us created out of the power and presence of God itself. There is only that one consciousness of which mine is a part. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this room that as we honor our friends and family members, we too are honored. As we bless and love the people around us, the universe smiles and blesses and loves us. I know this is true for myself, and I know it's true, or the capability of it being true is available to each person in this room, that we are blessed through our interactions with our friends, our family, those that we hold close to us, that as we honor them, so we are honored. As we love them, so God loves us. I'm simply grateful for this awareness, simply grateful for seeing the unity of all things and all people. Grateful to be here on this, this beautiful Sunday. I let it be, and together we say, and so it is. So glad you were here today. Happy Sunday, everyone. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us slash donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.